Welcome to another episode of Afikra's Movie Night. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Today on the series, Michelle Kisarweni, who is a Lebanese singer, musician, and scriptwriter, and director, and broad creative, is joining us. We are here to talk about her film that she worked on with her sister, Noel, uh, Le Chenil, which has been award-nominated, winning, and is on the circuit right now. Michelle, it's a, really an honor to have you on the series. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mikey. It's my honor as well. I've been wanting to uh, to uh, like do this discussion with you for a while, so I'm so happy that it happened. And I come in. So I want to ask you about the seriousness of this film, because you are a funny person, like not like a, a oh, that person's funny. Like you're hilarious. You and your sister are really, really, really hilarious. Um, and there isn't really a huge, you know, satirical part of this film. And I wanted to ask you about that departure and if it felt like a big departure for you to do it. Yes, I think that uh, from the work that my sister and I do, people expect that we will always uh, have the same tone of uh, uh, being uh, like uh, comedy and satire mixed together. But sometimes yeah. you feel like expressing uh, yourself in different ways. So the film has satire in it. It doesn't have comedy in it, but it does have satire. Yeah. And it is a, a facade also that uh, Noel and I have, which for us is very clear. But I think we don't, uh, we don't share it that much uh, with people. So they always have in mind something and they expect us to do the same. While we feel that we can still do stuff that are... Uh, comedy and satire at the same time and go to two places where we can also express ourselves in a dramatic way or in, in different ways. Yeah. So, uh, what kind of kid were you growing up? I feel like I, I want to like hang out with the, the teenager version of, uh, of Michelle. Like, I am not sure that like you really kids? want that. Okay. Uh, I, let me think. Um, I think we, we, Maybe something that I can say is that uh, we were in a public school as teenagers. So this uh, exactly? shaped us. It was uh, in Harit Safar and then another right. one in Junya. So we were like in this area. And I think as teenagers, because the, our teenage years, the last years of school, we were at this uh, public, those public schools that don't really function in Lebanon. I don't know if you know like mm. uh, details about them. Yeah. So I think this uh, shaped us a lot. Noel and I, in the sense of we were, uh, we always like to express ourselves artistically and all that since forever. But being in this place made it, uh, made it, made this, um, if you want, um, like envy of uh, expressing yourself uh, mix no. with um, a reality that is a bit harsh. So this is where I think one point of our teenage years that, that is still, still marked me till today. But we were also finding uh, lightness in uh, our everyday life. Uh, we are lucky to have a family that's very also, that encourages art and that's very positive and that have um, ways of thinking that are not very common. Uh, so yes, so we were uh, happy teenagers, but uh, in an environment that was not always very uh, like um, uh, light. Yeah. When, what is the age difference between the two of you guys? Two and a half years. I'm older. Yeah. yeah. Were you like inseparable as kids? 
Uh, I'm not sure. We were all we, we were we, we are four children, so we used to spend time together because the the age difference between us are are not uh, that uh, that big. So and we yeah. used to spend times with our cousins as well. Who also we have many cousins. So it was like a childhood that was a, a group childhood in a way. And uh, Noel yeah. and I have always been close, of course. Not inseparable. We have also, uh, we are very different on so many levels. We do many different things, but uh, because we do the art together, people think that you're always together, spending time together all the time. But yes. So. But it's it's not only, it's, it's really funny. It's not only because you do the art together. Yeah. It's also, I think it's partly, there's a positioning came in. Like when, when you and I first spoke, right? Yeah. A few weeks, uh, like a few months ago or weeks ago. And we were, I was telling you, I really want to have you on the series. And you said, should it be the two of us or should we do it separately? Uh, and I said, as you guys, as you guys wish. And you said, it's, it's probably easier if we do it separately. She takes some things. Okay, yeah, that's what things. we're doing. That's what we're doing right now because it's getting, we're getting overwhelmed a bit in a way. So we're splitting yeah. tasks. And also when uh, it depends on the interview and, uh, and the details of, uh, of the event, we prefer to uh, to put our energies each in a place so that everything functions in a in a more f- fluid way. So this is yeah, a decision. but it's kind of like you guys are in some ways you can be each other's like avatar when needed. You know, in a way, yes. When it comes to work, let's say if no yeah. one is here to talk to you about the Nishani or the songs or all that, I think it doesn't matter who's talking because those are the places where it's like a common ground for us both. So we both yeah. have sort of the same views and uh, because the debate that we had uh, were done before the work was actually made. So once yeah. you get to the to the work done, here we can speak. But on a, on a more personal level, we are, of course, two different people with, with many yeah. different things. So we're not the same person. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the film, uh, I, you know, like in preparation of this interview, I went back into your YouTube page and went back to look at some of the, your early work. Yeah. And I always knew you guys as these two sisters who came out with these like insanely catchy, relevant, timely, hilarious political songs, mm-hmm. right? Um, all about injustice and the, the corruption that we have in, in Lebanon. Yes. I went to your YouTube page. So your YouTube page is at Michelle and Noel, right? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it maybe it is. is. It is. Okay, great. It is. Right? And it's like, it's like, we're a team. We're the yes, <laughs> we're I, a I team. Think we're so. like a unit. I think so. Because I, I don't remember how we are not very good at those things. So we do. Yeah. If you notice also, let's say I have a, um, a like Jagan <laughs> Isaac, the same, the first song I did on one channel. I, could, I didn't know how to upload, upload a video on the same channel. So we opened another channel. <laughs> So we have two channels and we have, we are very bad decision makers when it comes to social media. But uh, yes, of course, the work that we do, most of the work that we do, especially in the past years, it was together. So it's very important for us also to present that it is together that we're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Can we listen to Jagal? That's everything you want from this interview. Jagal is like, yes, of course we can listen (laughs) to it. We have to listen to the song. Yeah. Um, Hold on, I have it. I have it queued up. Hold on, just give me one second, um, because it's one of those songs that 
once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And it is, I want to ask you who your, who your um, influences were before the song okay. uh, launched. Okay. Because I feel like I, I feel like I know the types of people you were listening to and the sort of your references, but I might be wrong. So let's listen to the song a little bit. Yeah. It's from 11 years ago for those listening. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you about this. So yes. when you're when you're listening to this and you're yes. watching this, what is the immediate emotion that you have? I want to laugh because many of the people in the video, I know them, like Jose and other people. So it's it's funny yeah. for me. It's really uh, it's a very nice uh, uh, memory that I have. Did it did it go viral? Is that how I mean? Yeah. On, for you at that moment, you were like, oh my God, how did this go viral? Of course. Actually, when, when Dagel Uzek came out, it, the social media was not that uh, booming that yeah, much. 2011, yet. Yeah, 2011. Yes, it was in yeah. the beginning of it. I didn't have Facebook, I remember at the time. What happened is that I sang it one time. It was because of frustration I had from university and guys that I, I was meeting and their ways of like imposing yeah. themselves or thinking that they can attract you with materialistic stuff and stuff like that. So it was, of course, a joke. And uh, I used to sing it with my friends and all. And I, I once said that maybe I recorded someday or something like that. It was not serious at all. Then somebody recorded it on, uh, on their phone and it started going viral uh, by Bluetooth at the beginning. So we didn't have um, like um, other ways that were too common. I love it. And then 20 years later, I, I was 19 when I, I, I wrote it and it was recorded, the, the first version. People start telling me, we're hearing your song. And I was like, I don't sing. I don't have a song. <laughs> like, no, it's your song. And then I listened to it. Of course, it's my song. And suddenly, really, from one day to the other, I don't know what happened. It boomed on the internet. Suddenly, I opened Facebook to say that, yes, I wrote it because they were asking who wrote the song. It and was this video? No, the video we did later on when, when the song was crazy viral already, 
uh, we decided to do a video. It was sort of a joke, but we did this casting to do the video. And then the casting was the video. And it was something like fun that I did with the friends and yeah. like at the time. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that was it. But of course, I didn't know at all. I had no idea that this <laughs> will lead me to many other things, actually, because because of Zagal Isaac. I took another path in the way I, I I chose my career, stuff related to writing and then films and all that. It, it started there somewhere. So it was a very nice what do you mean? accident. What do you mean it? What do you mean it changed your path? I mean, it what did. path were you on before it? Yes, I would tell you. So when I was in university, uh, I was doing advertising. And it's uh, it's a very interesting thing to learn. But I knew that by the end of my master's, I knew that I wasn't going to work in this field. It's not mine. I don't like to sell things. I don't like, it's not mine. And no one did the same, the same also study. So uh, when Zagel Uzet came out, I started being called for stuff related to uh, copywriting and things. And But Noel and I decided it was a very clear decision that we don't want to work in things we don't sort of believe in in a way or another. So we focused on working with um, NGOs or people who are doing stuff on the ground and stuff like that. So I took this path. We started doing the political videos after. And then I went from one thing to another that led me to film. So it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was a triggering point in my life and career, I feel. Yeah. Are there like through lines that connect the, this video to the stuff that the types of videos you absolutely loved growing up? Like I, I wrote, I wrote uh, silly songs with friends yeah. uh, when I was a kid as well. And they were always inspired by like the sort of the music and uh, comedians that I grew up listening to. Uh, are there similar ones for you that you're like, oh, this is for sure a reference even if I didn't know it, yeah. I was just ingesting this type of stuff. Not at all. Why? Because I never, I never thought that uh, this is a real song that, and that I am doing music in any way. Till today, I don't present myself as a musician in any way. We do songs, mm. we do videos, but I don't, I don't see myself in any kind of uh, framing, if you want. So doing Zagal Uzek was purely out of frustration. And I think it was a very good lesson that maybe the best way to produce is to be inspired by your entourage and not by other things. Of course, yeah. art in, can inspire uh, art and all that. It's also nice. But from my personal experience, everything that I've ever tried to build or create, I started by something very grounded, by experiences, by talking to people, by stuff like that. And they inspire. Yeah. And also, Mikey, an important thing is that since I didn't do film studies and, and Noel as well, we, we started creating videos by frustration and need without knowing techniques. So the first videos we did are stop motion videos with papers and stuff like that. And yeah. it was through this experience that we learned bit by bit the techniques. So this gives you freedom to think in a different way where I am inspired by my environment, the tools I can master them with time, even the storytelling, the editing, all this can come naturally if you're focused on your work in a way. And this is how we built our career. And until today, it's the same thing. I, I, I wow. hear sometimes people talking about uh, their films being inspired by films and stuff like that. I understand it is another way of thinking that is also valid, of course, but I don't see myself there at all. Wow. That's that's pretty amazing, actually, that there it's this sort of like 
it's almost like you're discovering the films inside you. Sort of. Also not inside me rather than around me because um, mm. whether it is the songs or the films that we do, the first step of creating is to uh, immerse yourself in a, in a place that is not your comfort zone to be able to listen to others and be like a sponge and break all the prejudices that, that you have, the past experiences, like past uh, ways of thinking and building new ones yeah. in order to even shock yourself when you're writing or when you're, when you're creating something. And leaving space for other collaborators to add as well and make the artwork something that is more mature and more collaborative. So it is a way of uh, work that is so organic and natural for Noel and I. And I know that we will always focus on it. And I will now I'm working on other films and it's the same technique. I've been doing research for a very long time. It's also a process that takes time uh, yeah. in order to, to create. So let's talk about the, uh, this film Yes. that um, when I was preparing for this interview, mm. I saw that it was inspired by a sentence from one of the guys that we've interviewed, Akram Khatir, who is an incredible historian. Um, tell us what the film is about and what you thought it was about when you first started working with it. Yes, so the sentence was what's from Fawaz Trawulsi, not Akram Fawaz. Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Yes. Yeah, but it's an article both, came in. Exactly, it's both articles, like an article of, of Fawaz Trawulsi called the Amour de Soi, uh, and uh, the article by, by uh, Akram as well. So the thing is that uh, we, we, were, we were commissioned by the Biennale de Lyon to create a film. And uh, we started doing some research. They also gave us some uh, like uh, references of researches and stuff that we can dive into that can be also good leads. And we fell on this, uh, those articles. And when you read them, it was a, like it was a certain, uh, like uh, it was obvious for us that we will uh, use them to create something about our current modern uh, problems and lives related also to uh, creating uh, the creation of silk to colonial colonialism to um, friendship and to displacement as well. So we tried to mix our personal uh, experiences with uh, historical facts to create this tale that talks about this friendship between a Syrian woman uh, played by Masa Zahir called Asma in the film and the other uh, uh, the other character played by Noel called Tara. So this is how it came. It's a mix of many things. Yeah. So can you tell, can you like give a little backstory about this, the silk industry and almost even just like the first five minutes of the film, which are setting yes. the, setting the, the backdrop of yes. how this industry was born yes. and the impact of specifically on little girls and, and a sort of rural population more broadly. Of course. So the sentence that inspired us the most from Fawaz Trabulsi's article is a sentence in which um, a certain like, uh, a Japanese uh, prince said that says that uh, uh, women should place the cocoons of the... the, the Silkworms. Yes. In, the, in between their breasts for them to grow up and to produce good silk and all that. So imagine they used to uh, 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 use the, the bodies of women because the temperature is ideal for the silkworms to grow 
So for us, it was very striking. Like, how can it be that? It, it's like a metaphor, but but it was a reality as well. So this was the first uh, thing that uh, that we started with. And then when we started doing research, it was a very difficult and sad research because. What we have in the film is like just the tip of the iceberg. We couldn't go yeah. dive deeper into what was happening. But um, silk industries uh, in Lyon and in France opened in Mount Lebanon because of uh, many factors. And uh, they uh, they used uh, women in their factories to, uh, for different reasons as well, uh, in a very um, unjust way. So they yeah. even used to, um, they encouraged opening uh, orphanages and uh, you to use orphan uh, children as well to work in the factory. Uh, factories were also in conditions that were not uh, human at all. So if they were very humid, very big, there are sound, you cannot even talk to the other person next to you. Uh, and they, you have to do a lot of hard work and put your hands in chemicals and stuff like that. So it was a very dark side of the history that was uh, that we don't really talk about but when you really read it and really um, like think about it you understand that what we're living today is sort of a continuity uh, in a certain way so it's very important to put the past in front of us with all the difficulties and with all the harsh uh, harshness and see how to deal with it in the present and not skip parts of history and try to uh, like uh, find a balance without knowing what happened before. So, yes, maybe in the film we explain yeah. this in a better way because I, I don't mean, have the words in English, but it's No, no, no very, but it's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, this idea, I mean, it's you guys do such an amazing job by connecting that original sentence, right? Which is an implication that the these women's bodies were an economic instrument exactly only used to generate capital for the owners of these exactly. companies exactly yeah exactly and, and they were and also like, elements yeah. like um, um, people from the country as well it was mount lebanon at the time that also helped with that you know the people who are allies with the forces that come and it's that's what i'm saying when i say that it's sort of what's happening today, but from different countries and different interventions. It's always people who come to for their own uh, good and for their own maslaha, and they yeah, will change something in the in the social fabric of the society that will uh, have consequences in the future that are very bad, because it's not natural for someone to come, take whatever you want from a country, and then leave. We saw it also in many countries around the world and the Arab world as well. So this is something that uh, needed to be addressed. We decided to do it in a tale, in a way that is that has a certain like balance and and uh, and a certain storytelling. But it, for me, it was something also bigger than that. It is about also interventions, what we should do, how we should react. Yeah, how did uh, how did the story come? The sort of more contemporary story about these two women. Um, and the restaurant and emigration, how did that sort of emerge? This was also very um, personal because uh, I went to France in 2019. It was for a, for a writing residency at La Cité des Arts in Paris. And uh, I, I went with a small uh, like valise and I thought I was going for a few months and coming back. 
But because of everything that started happening in Lebanon and around and stuff that started happening in France as well related to Lebanon, I stayed. And since then, I stayed. I don't know how, I don't know how I, what happened, but now I'm still, uh, now I'm between France and Lebanon, but based in France. So for me, it was a very uh, difficult uh, time because I'm not used to being away from uh, my entourage. Everything I do is related to everything that surrounds me. So I'm not a person who would go to another place and just continue my life. It was super difficult. But I started meeting women, first of all, Lebanese women, because there was the, all the movements happening and all that. Yeah. And then Arab women coming from different Arab countries who... Uh, uh, lived through something similar, left the country because of certain pressures. Sometimes it's very aggressive, sometimes it's less aggressive, so it depends. But what I noticed is that you you notice them really fast and you can understand their experience without talking too much. So I would see a woman, she would tell me from where, which country she is, that she would say, I don't know, Syria or Egypt or Palestine. And, and right away I can imagine what kind of uh, what kind of pressures she went through, even if we didn't really talk a lot. And this feeling of spotting others, I used to tell Noel, I feel like they're butterflies. I, I, you, you spot them, they're really, it's really clear a bit. So, yeah. So, this is where I decided that, okay, so let's um, search for this uh, main character. And here I found uh, Masa Zahir, who is a brilliant actress. Also, she came from Syria and has been living in France for a few years. And we started the discussion, her and I, and we started building the character that she's gonna play with some pieces yeah. of her life. Of course, the character at the end is different from the real Masa, but we started constructing about our own experiences. And in the shooting, we left a very big space for improvisation, where we told Karim Maghreb, who is also the marvelous uh, cinematographer we've been working with for a long while, to just follow Noel and Masa during from dawn till uh, like, uh, late, like late night and to cut their real conversations in a way or another. But I would lead a bit the conversation depending on the light of the day. So let's say if it's a moon, the conversation will not be very intimate. It will be about something broad. And as, as the sun yeah. goes down, I would trigger some conversations that we'd already discussed uh, Noel, Masa and I. So they're familiar a bit with the theme. And they would, and they would say them. And this is how we worked. It was, it was a, a real collaboration with what everybody had to say and add. And another point, when I met Masa, it was also a conversation like where I asked her, what do you feel like expressing as a, as an artist? Yeah. She told me, I don't feel like talking maybe too much. And I would like to perform something to perform a physical performance. So I thought, okay, so on what kind of music? She gave me references. So I, we had a meeting with the Zaid Hamdan, who's also the amazing music producer, Bighena Al Tadi. Yeah. And kid. Um, so it was the first meeting with Zaid and Masa, so that they understand each other. What, on what music would you like to perform? And, and I was really like watching and just get if, if because also Zid came from Lebanon to Flem, so why is my experience more important than their experience? I should also oh. sit and listen sometimes. So this is what happened, and Masa suggested the style. Zid worked on it, and he got it really fast. And I just added this in the writing. So your performance will come here when you will express this specific thing in the narrative. 
And this is how many parts of the film worked, where we would guide. And while writing, I took the liberty also to, to like give space as much as I want to everybody. And then at the end, while editing with Constantin Bok, who's also a friend and collaborator I've been working with for a long while, uh, to take decisions. And the same people worked on the music videos and the film. Karim, Constantin. Wow. Yes. That's why we, we, so, we understand each other fast. Yeah. Can you, can you like give me a, a visual for what it actually looked like when you were shooting? Was it literally, you know, Masa, uh, Noel, the, the camera operator, a cinematographer, and you sort of walking around and you're like behind the camera saying, okay, talk about the statue. <laughs> no, I wouldn't tell you. It was, <laughs> it was in different ways. What happens is that I'm such a fan of Karim's work when he filmed that sometimes, and it happened, he went alone with Masa and Noel and they walked and talked and they came back and I was in another place. So sometimes I really don't feel, especially that Noel is directing with me so she can also take the lead while acting, you know? So it was very... Uh, <laughs> yes, sometimes you need to to give people their space as well. Like imagine me following them, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. So sometimes yeah, I just, like... yeah, it's, it's, it's very important to know when to interfere and when to let things happen. And it's very important, I think, also to work with people you trust to a point where you don't feel that things are going out of hand and, you know, so I had this confidence and the whole film was filmed in three days and a half. And this is crazy for a 30 minute spin wow. because it's almost as if we used all the footage that was filmed. Sometimes we would film the scene maximum twice and it's a difficult scene. And we would continue because I look at the screen and I know that you got it and we can, we're good to go. So I think it was um, something magical happened on set also because we, we, did, we didn't have any considerations. We, we only were focused on doing something that is authentic to us and on trust that that you have built throughout the years between each other so and another thing when I was triggering the conversations it was not behind the camera we would stop and we would sit let's say and talk a bit and how about you open this now and so it was a bit like this sometimes I would do that what? thing of uh, behind the camera but it was not uh, like yes yeah I mean it's so funny because it's like it's this organic you have to have so much trust in that, that it's, I don't know if the word is trust. You, it's like, you have to have so much faith that this will land how it lands. And if it's as we expected, great. And if it's not, no. But I don't think, I, I think about it that way because how when you, you have it, it, yes. When you have a script that you feel is solid, you're not afraid of anything because the script will dictate what you can or what you can do. So what we try to do, we have a solid script in which we give spaces, meaning the sentence that is written mm -hmm. in, this, in the script was, we follow uh, Sarah and Asma from uh, dawn until night and record uh, bits and pieces of their conversations that, and here I write a sentence of what kind of mood, what kind of subjects. So it's written and unwritten in the same time. So I think this is the balance. I know what we want as a whole, and this I think should be decided and 
this we can talk about a lot about how much importance we should give to the script before we start shooting and to make sure that everything is well placed and not to bother people to work on something that is not worth it in a way or spend money or whatever because everything should be very well studied at the same time while doing the structure you can break out of it and do whatever you want yeah so and I think this trust and all that, it, it's not uh, trust in the, in, like, in the absolute uh, meaning of the word. It's really experience with those people. I know Karim. I know what he would shoot. We spoke about the core yeah. of the film. We don't need to talk about each shot. As long as we get the core that we need something that is intimate, where we feel that we are walking with those two women. We need something that is not perfect so that we don't get lost in the beauty of the image. We just go with the flow and it's... Uh, a character built a story and we, there is an emotional uh, feel rouge that you should follow but not, not more than that so yeah. raining I of course I trust Karim when you are filming videos in Lebanon I have this uh, like sort of pad or something that I watch in what's happening and Karim goes and shoots and I'm like a fan you know I'm sitting somewhere and just watching wow this is amazing you know rather than following him because we spoke before and he knows well, he understands he's a very big artist I, I think so yeah. yeah so interesting I want to I want to watch the the trailer so I'm going to load up the trailer yes and we will watch a second هون <laughs> It's beautiful. Um, can I ask you about this, the structure? Of course. Um, was there ever uh, a moment where you thought, 30 minutes is too long, 30 minutes isn't enough. Yes, I, I think the, the film dictates uh, how long it should be a bit. From the script, we knew it was not very short. Many people, when you were editing, told us uh, it's not going to get into festivals. You need to make it smaller or stuff like that. And we thought, okay, so let it not get into festivals if that's the case, because the film should not, you should not compromise important things in your script in order to go to a certain path. And that's what we did. The only compromise that I did was uh, with Noel was at the end, the credits made the film 30 minutes and 15 seconds or something. So we had to reduce so that it's less than 30 minutes. It's 29.55 or something like uh. that. But this is, um, I think we structurally, uh, we felt that um, uh, you see the film goes from a place to another. Sometimes it's documentary, sometimes it's performative, sometimes it's... Yeah. But it follows the same storyline. 
So for us already, while starting the film, we knew it was not a linear film that is common. We knew some people will feel that it's weird uh, or, or that. So already we started with the more difficult part of the content itself not being very common. And at the end, uh, in, the, in the length as well, we started uh, having those comments, but we always focused uh, for the work to be the best it can be. And this is what yeah. we did. And luckily, when we got accepted at Berlinale, I didn't believe it. I started making jokes about it. And it was a, a full month of uh, not believing. Like it's, it's, a, it's a joke. Like we really worked in a way that is, uh, that is so far from having this as a perspective. But then when I went to Berlinale and I met people there and I met the organizers, I understood how much we get along together and, and how we are aligned because it's a bold festival as well where they uh, experiment new stuff. Uh, it's, um, it's also a festival where we feel, felt very comfortable on many levels. So then I understood that actually it's, it's a, it was a great fit that we did uh, aim uh, to, to yeah. send it to this festival. Does yeah. that experience and sort of validation, you seem, I mean, we don't know each other outside of this interview, right? So, but you seem to be, so um, uh, self-assured, you know, you're, you seem to have like a real grip on your sort of, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound like fluffy, but your artistic vision, like you seem to have a really, really, really strong sense of uh, self, like I'll put it in musician terms, right? Okay. When somebody has an amazing sense of rhythm, right? They, they sit there in the pocket that okay. they're just so right in the pocket that okay. they can create so much space. It's a good thing you're to... telling me, Anne. Okay, I'm just seeing if it's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great thing. When they have okay. such a sense of rhythm, they can, they're so dead on that they can create so much space because they're so, they're so um, aware of themselves. Um, and that's the sense I get from you, that you, you're so in time, in tune, you have such a strong inner metronome almost that you're not afraid of taking a step back or um, doing something totally different because you have a really strong sense and you're very self-assured. Am I totally being fooled? Maybe. Is that how you actually you never feel? Know. No, I, I don't know. Actually, <laughs> thank you. It's a, it's a nice thing to say. I think that uh, I would like to frame it in another way, which is that I, I work a lot, Mighty. I really work yeah. a lot. That's why I I am sure of things because I work a lot and with people who are very honest around me. So if there is something going wrong, I will know really, I will know ahead. And starting, let's say, in, in places that are critical, let's say when you're doing a political song, you need to choose your words very wisely because you're criticizing people who are powerful and who can hurt you, right? In a way or another. So. We don't put this in mind, of course. While writing, you just write, you express yourself, you don't care. But at the same time, when the song is written and we're going to upload it on the internet, Noel and I have this moment of we sit and we calculate everything. How will this affect uh, this and that and, you know? And we put everything on the table and we do release it because it should be released. Uh, but uh, we take uh, full responsibility of what we did. Sometimes it seems like the song is funny, it's written in a fun way and all that, but every sentence we thought about it 
and we chose words that everybody can understand that are accessible for everybody and we, we do lots of calculations before it appearing that uh, if you want organic or whatever funny or satirical so when you do all this work ahead when you come to implementation everything is less less difficult which gives you zero this yeah. assurance that i think it's it's very bad if you don't have it because also when filming and when doing stuff whatever you plan you'll always have surprises and you can be under stress that is incredible and you have to deal with it so you need to be prepared on many levels uh, and this is what also by experience noel and i learned in a way or another so that's why we uh, we now have uh, have like are doing stuff in a way that is more uh, assured because we do have the safe space around us and people who support and all that yeah if you don't consider yourself a musician do you consider yourself an artist you know i always uh, i think about that when i want to write uh, something like you know on this instagram you have to describe yourself yeah. or or bios or yeah yeah i have a problem saying let's say musician or filmmaker or whatever because it's day you feel like doing something sometimes and i i feel it's nice when i say i do films i do music because i can do many things or or nothing but uh, i try not to uh, not to name myself something and really believe it you know i try just to do my job and then whatever people would like to name it i'm okay with it sometimes they send me bios to approve and they write stuff about me that i wouldn't write that way at all i don't care you know whatever works for you but when it comes to me i say like i do this and that and that and not i am this and that yeah gives you freedom yeah i love that i mean yeah. yeah i i think about that all the time i like i like verbs more than nouns yes also because it has something potential a bit sometimes like um, yeah as a, an artist i can do this and that and as, as if you have this skill you know and this is something i give courses at university uh, that are called the course is called the storytelling and script writing and one of the first yeah. things i tell students uh, at um, at the class is it's uh, it's forbidden to tell me i was taking my shower and suddenly the idea came to me or i was driving my car and you have to tell me how did you think what kind of research did you do who did you talk to who have the problem that you are dealing with what did you do for this idea to emerge you are not uh, like uh, uh, super creatures just because you registered in an art class this is no and another thing i tell them as well also in the first class is uh, uh, okay so draw uh, draw me a house okay So they will draw of course a square and this triangle and this is a house and then I show them a 3D picture of a house and I tell them this is a real house the other one is a symbol of a house so you you didn't describe to me a real house you just described to me what we all agreed as an idea of a house so when you're dealing with a problem or a subject you cannot uh, like uh, say it in a broad way or write about something you already know or you everybody says because everybody says it so it's true so i write it no you have to go and check it and see it with your own eyes and listen to it and understand it and then you write it because each thing has specificities that you need to go to and dive into in order to have the capacity to write about so this thing about writing about the wars you know who did you talk to what did you do in order to 
or what did you experience, whatever. So yes, just to tell you that uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's being a, an artist or whatever. It is work. It's real work. It's uh, being grounded, doing reality checks all the time or putting yeah. yourself in a position where you don't need to be doing reality checks. You are in a certain reality. So it, yeah. is, it is a constant, constant work uh, and uh, trying to understand your environment in a way that's uh, accurate and uh, fair. Are you, are you generally like sort of frustrated by, because that's work that most people don't do. Yes, right? I'm very frustrated. Honestly, yeah. this is something I think we need to address in a very friendly way. Uh, I'm very frustrated when I feel that sometimes there is a distance between the subjects that are dealt with in uh, artworks, whether it is uh, sometimes lyrics of music or films or whatever. And uh, sometimes what's happening on the ground, there is a big gap. And I think uh, this is related to many problems. I think it's also because mostly people who can produce things, uh, especially film, are mostly in a way more privileged than others. So you For feel sure. that when you are trying to deal with problems and you're already in a certain place where you are not connecting authentically and you're not doing the job, the, the real long-term job to connect, there is a gap that stays there. It doesn't mean that the artwork is not liked by people or whatever. This is not, I'm not judging uh, the quality of things themselves. They can be just not how I, I, I see that, that art can be and the role that it can really play socially. It's a very important tool. And it's a place where you can give space for people to insert what they want to say and frustrations and stuff. So when I see that the work is not really well done on the script and on the research and, and the like connecting to reality and being grassroots in the subject that you're dealing with, uh, yes, I feel that um, it's, it's super frustrating, especially that we are the, the beginning of the chain of work that is so big and that includes a lot of money and years of work. So imagine yeah. starting wrong, like why would well, like, why don't we take the time to do something that is super solid? And then we get people involved and money and all that. It's also not the only the problem of the artist. I think the system of production of art is also super pressuring and social media as well. Um, I will tell, tell you more. something. Yes, I will tell you this. Let's say we do songs, Noel and I, okay? We do one song a year, sometimes one song each year and a half or two years. Uh, yeah. Many people tell us, why don't you open a page and do like an advertising and do an album? And who told you that the way I perceive art is the way that the market perceives it, that needs, you know, for you to be consistent and people to follow you. And this is not our rhythm of work. We work in another rhythm. We shouldn't feel bad about that. I shouldn't feel bad that people don't know that I'm the per same person who did this other song or who did Jagan Isaac. Or I'm not, uh, I don't owe anybody anything. I'm just doing what I feel like expressing at each time. And I don't like how the market works. I have the right to, right? I don't want to do an album and sell it. We already don't take money for the film, for the music that we do, and we don't sell it and we don't uh, pay and uh, we just do collaborative work that nowadays they're starting to give us, uh, like uh, to propose for us to, to buy them for things and we refuse all the time. Although sometimes we need the money, but we refuse because out how we think. So you cannot put pressure on people to produce or not to produce. And also another point that's important, 
is since we work in different things, Noel and I, whether it's a bit in, in like drawing and animation or music uh, or uh, films, each thing has a rhythm that is opposite to the other. Meaning when we release a song, this is a time where you should talk to people and connect. And it's a beautiful time because I love connecting to people and I love to know what they think and to connect. When you're writing a film, which I've been doing for years and years, you need space and time where nobody talks to you, where you're not in the spotlight, where you have your own space. And those are contradictory. Yeah. So how can you be doing both? Then this is why we release a song when we feel that we have something to say, not when we feel that uh, like we should release a song or something like that. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do thoughtful work and be brought into this like influencery yeah, <laughs> social media vortex. Yeah, it can be fun, but uh, it can be uh, deviating from uh, what you should focus on. I think uh, it's yeah. a very it's a great tool to connect to people. Look, we uh, met on social media, yeah. I know it's a, it's a great tool, but you have to um like uh, impose your own rhythm in it. Some people like posting all the time and it's marvelous. They can do it and but but yeah. for me and for Noel, let's say we have our rhythm and we make sure to keep it and not to fall into traps here and there in different production as well. Let's say I've been working on a film for two years, like researching. Now I'm writing it. So I didn't tell anybody about it because I know what will happen. They will start like productions or start putting pressure and there's this deadline and there's this, I don't know. And there's, I don't want this. I don't need this now. I will come to you when I need you. And this might take years and maybe I don't need like 10 labs to do my film. I just need peace and research. Why should the, yeah. like, why should you uh, uh, like, take my, my concentration from things that's important to stuff that might be for me now less important. So that's why we, we try to manage our, uh, our time and space. Did your, um, uh, I have so many questions. Um, before I move back to the film, I, I want to ask you about this idea of um, understanding your own problems and talking about your own problems. Because so many films about like the the problems of the Arab world and even specifically the problems of Lebanon, right, um, are made by millionaires. And most of the problems are not problems of millionaires, right? Like, for example, and I live in Hamra, right? Okay. Um, I, I grew up here. Okay. Every day, every other day, I speak to somebody who's like, how do you still live in Hamra? And it's... Uh, and, and, uh, it's awful. And why do you live there? You know, it's like, it's a neighborhood Meanwhile, represents Adam. the whole country. <laughs> Who huh? are, are those uh, your friends? You need to find new friends. I can be your friend. No, everyone. Uh, you're going to be my friend. But... What are you telling me? You... Yes. They say this. On Jad, they say this. People say this. This is crazy. You no, know, I used to like Hamra, but it's Kandahar. Right? You hear stuff like this. And you're like, and you're like, I'm, and the people who I'm speaking to are like part of the like cultural class who are the ones who talk about the problems of the country. Yes, <laughs> the, they are the problem of the country. They are the problems of the country. You need to send me that email. I need to talk to them. What do they mean by the word Arafiani? This is really, this isn't the problem, really. We, we always search for uh, problems that are outside of us to feel like the good guys and the politicians are the bad guys. 
But those mentalities are the worst thing that can ever happen to a population. And this feeling of being better than others, whether it is for a reason or another, it is you're telling me intellectual. What does intellectual mean? If you like been to a school that is expensive or you know how to talk languages, is that uh, like really, what do they mean? Because the way you look or talk or does not show anything. And also being, uh, let's say, cultivé uh, or whatever, and it, I can just not be. And uh, you have, uh, I am a free person to do whatever I want and deal with whoever I want and you not to judge me anyway. So, yeah, yeah I think this is a huge problem, but its roots are so toxic and uh, they need another uh, podcast episode just about that, about <laughs> the arrogance and uh, the way people look at each other sometimes in a very disgusting way. So I'm so happy that I alienated uh, many people around me who had views that are similar to those. And now I'm living happy ever after, happily ever after. I really advise you to do the same, Mikey. So toxic, خلص. Done. I will come and you will drink coffee and hamra, you and I. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, I want to talk one last thing about the movie before I do the films of note. Um, and my question is, with projects like this that are so deeply like research-based, usually I feel like... Projects like that are uh, an exercise uh, exercise in discovery, right? They started in the process of discovering, like you're reading these papers from a historian, from Trubolsi, right? Mm. You're reading these sentences about the fifth century Japan uh, silk industry, and you're like, oh my mm. God, this is so interesting. And so you're exploring all that stuff. After the film is made, are you still in the process of discovery? Are you still discovering new things about the nature of exploitation and the nature of Lebanon and the nature of where we are today? I think it's a nonstop uh, curiosity. So it's nonstop mm. researching. But at the same time, I don't intellectualize the work that much. It's also a thing that I don't like too much. Meaning, even when we did the film, we kept spaces. Of course, there were information that we needed to insert and to be bold about and to put them as they are. So we placed them, we even did them in a documentary, not to package them in a way that is like to hide something. It's just, this is the historical context. But at the same time, we leave spaces for random conversations and feelings and emotions because those are the essence of film, I feel. We are not here to sort of um, uh, enlighten people with knowledge or something like that. No, but sometimes you need to contextualize so you do it. And uh, the the procedure of do, always researching, for me, it's very basic. It's necessary. It's, uh, it's, it's the minimum that you can do. But also working on political satire, it's an exercise that you do all the time. Because how can you be satiric about, about a thing that you don't understand? This is out of question. At the same time, you have to have the language of uh, the people that everybody understands. So I like when we produce something, a music or whatever for my aunt to understand it and her friends from church and, uh, you know, like the people from our village to understand it as well. Not only our uh, cool, hip uh, circle of people uh, judging each other between Hamra and out of Hamra and all this. So <laughs> it's important also to to yeah. think about all those things, but not to push it to a place where, look, I'm the intellectual that I'm coming to tell you what to think because you don't know, so I need to enlighten you here. It's yeah. a balance. For sure. Okay, before we switch, I want to play one of your other uh, other songs Which that one? is from a, 
Um, it's from a few years ago, and I wonder how you feel about it. These no, days. no. So this song, I feel like came out right at the edge of the cliff. Exactly. Yeah. My heck? That was when you were, when you were doing satirical, uh, like it started yeah. with satirical. Many people attacked us, Mikey. It was the time where people were believing that uh, when the president, when Michel Aoun becomes a president, everything will become better and all that. But we had yeah. this vision. Uh, of course, it's not a vision, it's a reality. If you put things, uh, if you align things, uh, you understand right away that this is not going to yeah. happen that way. So we were so attacked for this one. And then later on, a few years later, uh, people started reconnecting to it and it went viral one more time, one more time and it was like a... Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay, I want to play a little bit of it. It's brilliant. Yalla. And it's also Great. heartbreaking, but it's brilliant. Yalla. <laughs> لحظة كنت صدقت إني عظيم وإنه فجأة وإز راح يش بالعز وبالنعيم. ما بتعاطى سياسة ما بتعاطى معاش أو بدي في تكس عكسة ما بتعاطى. Okay, I'm going to stop here. Um, it's too good. You guys, this is a, in the world of hip hop, we would say bars. <laughs> this is Karim Fmeister. Uh, you know, we are, we are not very good with the rhythm. So Karim Fmeister, the music producer, he would always like clap yeah. in the studio to make us get the rhythm. Even if we're like recording, you will see him. He does all his tricks. 
to make that thing uh, like uh, right on it. Yes, it's, that's why I'm telling you, we don't consider ourselves uh, musicians in the full sense of the word. Uh, we, we do yeah. songs, we love it. I think we're going to always do it because it's something that is uh, that it's heartfelt and fast and you can do it with with your surrounding yeah. in a nice way. But it's um, it's also a, a, a full uh, group of people working with us for it to really work. So, yes. It's so, it's just excellent. And the, the video is so good. Um, so we sent you a list uh, of questions asking you to send over recommendations. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll go through each of them. So okay. th the first question was the film that most influenced your film. And you had a really interesting answer where you responded with, without a film, but you said, what did you say? Yeah, I said it was by the articles. It was not by a film, really. Yeah. You can ask anybody who worked on the film, Karim, who filmed it or whatever. We had zero reference on how to yeah. film. It was uh, the articles that we spoke about inspired the film, the script. And when we sat with Karim, with the feelings that we all uh, like agreed on, he went on and he did his own thing. Amazing. Okay, so the film that you loved as a kid. Yes. It's Jungle Book. Yes, it was. I the, love Jungle Book. Yeah, it was in, in, in Arabic translated. It was a series, Kitab al-Adghal. It was so nice, those cartoons that we used to watch that now I know they were in a different language, but for me, they were in Arabic, like Pokemon. So really? it's, it, it's in Arabic for sure. And Captain Mazid and whatever. And then I Captain realized Majid, that they yeah. were. Yeah, so... So, Wait, so like, Jungle Book, the Jungle Book that you watched, did it have all the songs? It has, yes, it had songs, of course. Yeah. Even like the, the main yeah, song yeah. was something like whatever. Now uh, that I compare it, uh, I see it. It's, it's interesting actually to to watch cartoons with your own language. Yeah, and it, yeah. Uh, it was uh, not the Lebanese Arabic, but still it was interesting. So yes, it's, it's a series that was... I would say uh, it shaped us, I think, in different ways because it has many values it. about bravery and friendship and uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Can I make a recommendation for you? Um, yes. Do you know that song, that jun the Jungle Book song, I want to be like you? Ooh, yes. Ooh, I want to yes. walk like you. So yes. there's this amazing behind-the-scenes footage on YouTube. I'll, I'll find oh, it and send it to you. Send it to me. Yeah, send there's this the story of that song. I'll just tell you real quick because it's yes, awesome. Me. The story of that song in the 1940s or 50s when the filmmakers, when Disney was making the film, they wanted mm -hmm. that they wanted all the the monkeys to feel to be like almost like this cool jazz band, right? Okay. Yes. And they wanted to be like the hippest kid, the hippest cats, right? Because yeah. the whole point was like, I want to be like you. You guys are the coolest, right? So they, they decided, they're like, okay, we need to find like a, a jazz musician and a jazz band that's awesome. That's so cool. So mm. they went to this band in Las Vegas, the uh, Luis Prima band, who is this, okay. he's this awesome, like Italian American singer. And they had like the craziest band. So they went to him and they said, this is the song. We want you guys to play it. Um, and we heard you guys have the coolest live show in Vegas. And yeah. they filmed them practicing it. And it's this behind the scenes and they That's go so through nice. the audience and they do the, they do the, you know, there's this like parade where all the, uh, the monkeys are dancing together. Send it. Send it's it so to cool. Me. 
Yeah, actually, it's I so think fun. there are two things. There is the film, and there is the series. I think what I used to watch was the series. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. I don't know. It's a, I'm now confusing, but yes, but uh, send me this one. I'm going to send it. I to would you. love. Okay. To. Yes, yes, of course. Okay, the film that is so underrated. What did you choose? Yes, I chose the Tick on Concrete. It's an animated film. And uh, mm. most of the films that I like are not underrated. This is the only one that is really underrated. And it's known for being underrated. So the, the interesting thing about this film is that it talks about the struggle between being uh, innocent or corrupt. It's about brotherhood as well. And uh, it's a mispronunciation of reinforced concrete, but like spent by, built by children. And yeah. it's a really marvelous film that has uh, crime in it as well. It's uh, it's a beautiful story that is so underrated because of some, I think the way it was um, distributed or something like that, something went wrong there. But the quality of the film is marvelous. Amazing. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. So the film that film students must watch, what did you choose? I chose something that told me more. Yeah. Uh, which one? Harub. Uh, ah, yes, Bitterwurst. So it was yeah. a reference for me. So it's not only this film, but I always encourage students to watch um, old films from Lebanon or the region. Not yeah. uh, very old films, even current, but more old, just to know, uh, like, like Burhan Alawiyye or old films of uh, Jean Samoun and Maim Masri, or I always encourage them to not fall into the trap of being a student in filmmaking and then having all those references that are in the books or whatever that us that are far from your reality and the way that we should also organically start uh, building films so for students it's very important to to uh, to take a turn that is more close to their society rather than being inspired by directors who have different problematics around the world uh, and not focus also on what happens around them yeah. So yeah. I also think that there's like there's benefit in if you are going to look abroad, which is in my yeah. mind totally fine. But of under course. like being inspired by the proximity that they're taking to their own problems. You know exactly. That's what I mean. You have my word, yeah. Mikey. So this is yeah. what I was trying to say with my bad English. So this is it's so of course we're all uh, like the the films that um, we will name now are not uh, are not. Um, always uh, films, of course, or Arab films, but for students specifically, I think it's an exercise also to watch things that are closer to their entourage. So, yeah. Okay, let's keep on going. So uh, the film that always makes you laugh. Almodovar, right? Yeah. Yes, of course, because He's one of the rare people that has this, uh, this, this, uh, like, uh, comic uh, sense that that never dies because it's built on complex characters and it's not mocking things and making fun of them, this easy way of making fun on the back mm-hmm. of other people without understanding them. No, it's very smart satire. And he has his own way of creating a universe that is so dramatic and so funny at the same time. That's why I feel they're timeless. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, let's keep going. going. Um, what, for those listening to the podcast, what is the name of the film? Uh, which one? Oh, uh, which I one think did Al-Burde. I? Uh, which one did I choose? Uh, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yeah. 
Women on yes. the verge of a nervous break. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, the film that you can rewatch all the time, I think you chose In the Mood for Love. Oh. Yes. Yes. This is one of the, the rare films that I can see many times. And each time I see it, it really dies me in this uh, mood that is marvelous that Wong Kar Wai can, that created in this film. I think also it's uh, because of uh, how intimate it is, how it's built, the music, the visuals, all that, but mostly also the complexity of those two characters who are trying to get close, but it's not happening. And this is something that we live in our lives always in a way or another. So that's why I feel it always uh, speaks to me in a way. Okay, so the film that has your favorite script, I think you chose two, Crimson Gold and Drive My Car. Yes, those are one of the styles of uh, narratives that I like. Not uh, for Simon, the only, of course, ones. But well, I chose two that are different. Uh, so Crimson Gold is a film by Fanahi. It's an Iranian film. What I love about the script itself, it's that it follows the lives of marginalized people, but in a very sensitive way in their everyday life. Two highlights also. Uh, like uh, like gradually reveal the circumstances that led to a dramatic event. So it really shows you the, the entourage of a person who's about to do something bad. And I think those kind of scripts always attract me because uh, they, they show one of the biggest problematics in our everyday lives that not everybody know how to highlight, which is why do people under pressure have to do bad things sometimes? So yeah. this is the, the kind of script that I like that goes into stuff that are like that. The other yeah. script, Drive My Car, I think it's another way also of, of writing. It's a beautiful uh, film that also um, depicts in a very intimate way uh, the lives of several people, especially one person. Um, and it's super poetic at the same time you feel that he went into your uh, unconscious because it's also based on a Murakami uh, novel so yeah. it's like when you read a Murakami book you know you feel that he went to a space that nobody can go uh, that can, nobody can reach so the film was uh, good at doing that so it's a very complex yet simple narrative that is character driven as well it's beautiful amazing okay cool um, beautifully shot, the film that's most beautifully shot, you chose two, A Separation and uh, Drive My Car as well. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Separation. Okay, so I think uh, Separation, it's also the style of film rather than Separation itself. Yeah. It's also um, uh, capturing reality a bit as it is without artifice and without artificial stuff and building a set of I don't know what, you know. Yeah. It's a simple way of focusing on what's important. And uh, it's visually very close to your reality because that's what your eyes see in real life. So it's nice yeah. when you reproduce it for a film. And that's what many films and many uh, like uh, vague of uh, film creation did, uh, especially when it comes to Iranian films. This, I really adore how they're filmed. I think yeah. they're aesthetically marvelous. And I think you kind of tapped into that, I think, with your film. Yes, I started testing a bit because this is where I would like to go more. Yeah. Just and uh, for drive my car also it's um, if you want to be poetic there is also a way of being poetic all while capturing the essence of the story. Not being poetic in a place and the story is in another or let's say filming something that is bad but in a beautiful way. You know. 
So yeah. in Drive My Car, he has those beautiful scenes, but they are also unsophisticated, very, very well done and very simple. So I think it also captures another way that I would like to explore as well. Cool. And then the last one is the film that most changed how you think, which is yes. Close Up. Yeah, talk yes. to us about this. So Close Up, when I watched it, I think it really uh, did something to my brain. Why? Because it blurs the this line between reality and fiction. Since it was partly filmed as a documentary and then it's filmed as a, like, constructed as a film. Uh, uh, so I think it's, uh, it, it really, um, spoke to me because I am also in a place where I blur those, uh, two things. What's real and what's, uh, what are we constructing? And how much can we get inspired from uh, reality around us to construct something? So, yes, this is what, uh, also like the long shots. Uh, the natural lighting, also without aesthetics. And at the same, the story is complex. The same the story is complex also about a marginalized person who gets into a very difficult situation, but because also of his situation, so you, so, so of his living situation, so to understand why, why he did what he did. It's always yeah. nice when you understand the, the situations that people are in and not judge what they do. Yeah. It goes back to this, uh, the noun versus verb thing. And no, I'm not a musician. I play music. Yes. Sometimes maybe I will stop I'm not cooking. a murderer. I play murder. Yes. <laughs> I just killed someone. I killed 10 people, but I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not a killer. I killed yes. somebody. <laughs> I didn't steal. I just took it. I didn't and didn't tell you. This, I, exactly. this is very accurate. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, Michelle, you're awesome. You're so much fun to talk to. And, Thank um, you, Mikey. You too. Your work is really powerful. I shouldn't. I don't think you need me to tell you that, but I I appreciate living in a world where you're doing your work. So thanks so much. Come on, Mikey. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure, and it's, it's very nice to start my day with you. Yeah. So I was and very happy to talk we'll to you. We'll have as a well. coffee in Hamra soon. Halos, Hamra. Akid, Deal. All right. Thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks. Thanks.